I need to channel my inner Simon. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. You thought I was talking Simon Peter. <laughs> How many people recognize that song? Yeah, you know, the funny thing about this was this song was done by Simon and Garfunkel, and it was the number one hit in 1966. 1966, so how is this song still in our heads? I'll tell you why I think it is. I think it's because it resonates with us. I also think it's because there have been several people that have done remixes. Uh, if you're a heavy metal fan, look up Disturbed, Sound of Silence. Yeah, yeah. It's powerful. This dude is described as he has the angel, a voice of an angel and the voice of a demon because he starts out nice and angelic, and as the song gets more emotional, he gets more growly, and yeah, so you'll love it, right? Uh, if you're a vocal music fan, Pentatonix is a acapella group, and uh, they have done a wonderful rendition of The Sound of Silence. It will blow your mind with the harmonies that these people do with just their voices. It's incredible. But that's not the reason I think this song sticks with us. I think the reason this song sticks with us is because we all feel what Simon and Garfunkel were writing about. Listen to some of these lyrics that he talked. He says, people are talking without speaking. That sounds very poetic. People are hearing without listening. When Garfunkel was interviewed by a talk show host, this was way back in the 70s, was trying to get to the heart of what was the meaning behind the song. And he said, this is our generation's warning against alienation, because people are so busy with material things. They're talking without speaking. They're hearing without listening. They're so wrapped up in their lives that we've forgotten how to communicate with each other. And in the process of not communicating with each other, we've forgotten how to love each other. That's from Garfunkel, folks. That, that should be from the Bible, right? Oh, wait, it is. But Garfunkel was hitting on something, and that's, I think, what resonates with us. Because the saddest part of all is this last part. People are writing songs that voices never shared. What's your story? What's the story that you want to tell? Is anybody listening? What's the story that Christ wants to tell? Is anybody listening? I'm also convinced that the answer is not to speak louder. The answer is not more volume. The answer is not more production. Because the world's already crazy. Never have we been more connected in terms of social media, yet less relational. If you ask anybody, how many friends do you have on Facebook? Uh, you know, 523. Awesome. How many of those friends would pick you up in the middle of the night when you had a flat tire? Well, they don't really know me. <laughs> That's what the modern society has done for us. But here's the hope that we have. In the midst of all of this, we have something that is different, something that will break through because I'm convinced the answer is not to be louder. The answer is to be brighter. Simon and Garfunkel in their song allude to this. See, they talk about the sound of silence, which is hearing. But what is it in the song that gives the warning? A neon light. It's what they see. And where are the words of the prophet written, and which is supposed to help us through this problem? on the wall where you see. So maybe the problem isn't what people are hearing. Maybe the problem is what people are seeing. That's where I think we need to focus. And that's why I want to talk about this process of walking in the light as a part of our homes. 
Because if we teach our children to walk in this light, then people will see a good life. They will see Christ at work. Will they hear him? You bet. But they're hearing so many other things. What's really going to make us stand out is not just what we say, but what we do. I guess there's a reason they say actions speak louder than words, because it's true. So let's talk about what uh, we can do, having seen this great light, and how we can be an example for others. Last week, we talked a little bit about this temple of Artemis, which is found in Ephesus, and the ironies that went on there. If you want to know more about that, you can uh, look at our website or our Facebook or our YouTube and catch last week's sermon. But the bottom line is people are saying one thing and doing an entirely different thing. And the, the crux of the issue is they're focused on themselves. Paul talks about greed being a huge problem there. He talks about sexual immorality. The irony being, of course, Artemis is one of the things that she's known for is chastity. So go figure, right? This is what humans do with truth. But this is the problem that they're having in Ephesus. And we're just going to continue to read from where we were last week. Uh, I'm picking up an Ephesus 5. This will be uh, verses 8 through 20. Ephesus 5, 8 through 20, if you're playing the home game. And I will put it on the screen. Yes. This is a two-parter. And uh, I'm going to read off the screen. If you pardon me, it's easier for me to see that than it is this. So here we go. Paul writing to Ephesus. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. <clears throat> Excuse me. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything is exposed by the light, becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. These are the words of God for the people of God, and for these words we are grateful. Paul is on to something there, just like Simon is on to something, because he talks about light and dark. And Paul takes it one step further, which is where I want to delve today, Paul talks about fruit, fruit of light. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, the fruit of light, but the idea of light and fruit are connected in ways that we probably can't fully understand. If you know any little bit about gardening, you know that when a leaf comes out and it points itself towards the sun, it's absorbing energy from the sun. And the transformative process that takes place is borrowing energy from an unlimited source. Okay, technically it's limited, but to me, it's unlimited. It's going to live a lot longer than me, I hope, right? So all it's doing is throwing out leaves and borrowing energy. It's not working. You don't see plants fret. You don't see plants worried about unemployment. You don't see plants worried about anything. They are there absorbing sunlight. Now, obviously, there's water and good soil and, and other things as well. But the point being, the energy that they're using is not their own. So oh, that'll breach, the energy that we're using, is it us? 
Is it our limited knowledge? Is it our limited strength? Is it our limited will? Or are we tapped into the source, the God of light? Because when we use his energy, it takes on a whole different process. That's what I want to encourage us to do today. This fruit of light, the, the goodness, the righteousness, the truth in perfect form is produced pretty effortlessly by that plant. It's amazing what you can do to a plant because even if the leaves are focused on the light and you turn the plant around, that plant will do everything it can to reorient itself to the light. How often do we reorient ourselves to the light? We do that in several ways, with prayer, with scripture, with meditation, with fellowship, with worship, all those kinds of things. And when we fail to do so, it seems like it's awful hard to be light in a dark world because we're using our energy, not the energy of the sun. That's fruit of light, but Paul takes it one step further. I don't know if you caught this before, but he talks about have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. What fruit does dark produce? <laughs> um, <laughs> mushrooms, right? Uh, or otherwise, fungus, right? Yeah, we'll call it fungus, right? Now, every analogy breaks down at some point. Yes, you can eat mushrooms, but not all of them. But most of it, when we talk about fruit, there, there's not a lot of fruit that gets produced in the dark. So think about a, a seedless watermelon, right? So what's the point of a seedless watermelon? Well, a seedless watermelon is because humans were too lazy to pick seeds out of watermelon and said, boy, wouldn't it be great if we had a fruit that we didn't have to work for? And so some genetic engineers got together and said, we can make this thing be fruitless. And it was, and it was awesome, and it was something to behold. But the problem is, once that one's done, there is nothing left. It, it, it doesn't continue. That's the end of it. And that's the way fruitless deeds of darkness are. Once that deed is done, that's it. It's just for me. I consumed it. It's done. There is no redeeming value to the world. My fruitless deed of darkness was about me, not about thee. And that's what Paul is saying. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness. Not much good grows in the dark. And here's a fascinating thing that I learned about plants because I am such a gardener. Me and Google, right? So this left one is just a seedling, and this is how early it starts. The left one is a seedling that's growing in the light. The right one is a seedling that's starting to grow in darkness. What do you notice about the two leaves? One is starting to reach out, reaching for the sun. The other is going, what's the point? And it's beginning to curl. Now here's an interesting cycle this will preach too. Because a lot of times when we spend time in the darkness and we don't get that energy of the sun... We begin to think, well, what's the point? I'm just going to fold up and I'm going to revel in my little bit of darkness because this is where I'm comfortable. And we begin to lose the ability to get the energy, the love, the light from God. And so it becomes a cycle that the, the less I engage God, the less I can engage God. And the less I can engage God, the more energy I try to use, the more burned out I'm going to be. That's whatever aspect of life you're talking about. I'm talking about the spiritual aspect of life. My love grows cold. I can't produce any of the fruit of the Spirit. There's no love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, or self-control in my life because I have turned from that. I have lost my ability to produce. That's the fruitless deed of darkness. The beauty of it is that we serve a God whose Son is so powerful that he can turn that around at any time. 
if we will just open up to the light and walk into the light, our lives will be vastly different. So we have to be careful then. We can't just willy-nilly this. We can't take it for granted. We have to make the most of every opportunity because God ultimately still wants what he wanted from the beginning. He wants Eden. And what was Eden about? It was about a perfect relationship where God and humans walked together. And we had a role, and it was good. That's what God is still working towards. And that's what fruit of light will produce. It's not what fruitless deeds of dark produce. We have to make the most of every opportunity because, as it says, the days are evil. What does that mean? Here's some ideas to take the most or make, make the most of every opportunity. Three opportunities for you. Community groups are starting up really soon. Check out wordserve.org slash join a group. If you want to get involved in a community group, this is a group of people who are trying to figure it out just like you are that meet at some point in the week and they have their own study and they produce uh, disciples. That, that's kind of what we're about. We encourage each other to point ourselves to that light. It's a, it's a point where we stop and we reorient our leaves toward the sun. It's a wonderful opportunity. So check out community groups at wordserve.org. Join a group. If you have any questions, we'd be happy to do that. There's also the 10 o'clock hour that's coming next week. But there'll be other opportunities for you to reorient those leaves to the light. One more opportunity is called a marble legacy jar. I found this off of Orange Curriculum. This was an idea, and we can get you more information if you're interested. That uh, This represents one week in the life of a child who is entering the sixth grade. So parents, by the time they graduate high school, this is how many weeks you have left with that child. So what they encourage you to do is to count out each week on a given day, on a Sunday, you take out one of these bad boys, and you can see how much time you've got remaining. And so ask yourselves, what's the most important thing in these next six years before my child graduates? What do I want them to take with them? How do I want to equip them to face this world? And I'll tell you, of all the things that we can pick, none is so important as the ability to point those leaves towards the light and experience the grace of Jesus Christ. Because if we do that right, there's going to be something that continues. If we don't help them do that, there will be all that other stuff. Strife, anger, despair. That's not something I want to hand off to my kids. So this represents one week of every year for a sixth grader. For those of you who have sixth graders, this is how much time you have left with your child. Use it well. In other words, as Paul says, make use of the time. Use the time wisely. One other thing that I will recommend is a thing called Home Point. We're going to talk more about this next week. Home Point is a way that we can equip homes to do discipleship. There'll be information that comes out. There'll be idea cards, pointers, little things that you can work into the things that you already do in your family rhythms. And this isn't just for kids and parents. There's a lot for that too. It's for married couples. It's for people facing life issues, maybe taking care of an aging parent, maybe struggling with some addiction issues, whatever it is. Home Point is designed to help you create a discipleship center in your home. So we'll be talking about that next week. We're going to have a packet for you to hand out that will invite you to take an assessment of your home. You know, talk about light. You know, one of the things that Paul also says is expose the deeds of darkness to the light. Now, who here wants to expose their deepest, darkest secret? 
Look at that lack of volunteers. You know, I, am a, I am chief among you. But here's the thing about light. When we expose those deeds of darkness to the light, what generally happens? Those deeds fade away. In public, in the world, if we expose those darkness to the light, it's just shame and guilt and all that other stuff. But in the grace that is Jesus Christ, when we expose to that light, there's healing and there's opportunity to move beyond that, to refurl the leaves and reorient towards our Savior. That's what makes Jesus Christ so unique. Don't pass up this opportunity to reorient yourself to the light. Three opportunities that we have. I encourage you to take one or all of them. I encourage you to talk to someone, talk to me if you're looking for that next step because there's not anything more important than being able to produce fruit of light. I'm going to rewrite Simon's song for just a second. Hello, darkness, not my friend. It's time that you came to an end. You can write the rest of the chorus yourself, however you want to. But folks, I'm telling you, it's time to stop living in the darkness. It's time to stop reveling in ourselves. It's time to open up and experience the grace that is Jesus Christ because darkness will drain you. Darkness will suck the life out of you. Darkness has an end, but it's the light that sustains us, the light that calls us. It's the light that makes us unique. The prophet Isaiah says it this way, all the way back in Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 5, and I want to substitute the word Jerusalem for word serve, or substitute word serve for Jerusalem here. Listen to what the power of the light can do to a nation that has been decimated. Arise, word serve. Let your light shine for all to see, for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. Darkness as black as night covers all the nations of the earth, but the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. All nations will come to your light. Mighty kings will come to see your radiance. Look and see, for everyone is coming home. Your sons are coming from distant lands. Your little daughters will be carried home. Your eyes will shine and your heart will thrill with joy. Word serve. It is time to arise and walk into the light. Will you pray with me, please? God, thank you for the light, your son, Jesus Christ. Open our eyes, both physically and spiritually, that we might see you and experience you. We pray this for your glory, in your Son's name, and by the power of the Spirit. Amen.